Darren, we'd better turn around. Why? Because I've seen enough horror movies to know any weirdo wearing a mask is never friendly. We are the things that were and shall be again. What was that film you were watching? Death, death, death. Death, death, death. Part two. Oh, Lord. Fuck the front time, bitch! What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trashmouth Mills, and today's guest is the one and only Alec Riley of the bands Initiate and Light Once Lost, and we are diving into the French horror classic, Eyes Without a Face. Now, before we dive into that, I just want to say thank you guys so much for two years of the podcast. Yesterday, the day before this episode drops, is technically the day that I hit two years, and I'm super stoked on it, and I can't thank you guys enough for that support. So, if you'd like to support the pod, you can sign up for the Trash Mouth Horror Club over on Patreon for $2 a month. The link for that is in the description, or you can do it the free way, which is just as appreciated by sharing, liking, subscribing, or rating the podcast wherever you can. So thank you guys again for two years, and I can't wait to see what the future brings. With all that being said, make sure you go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and let's dive into this Friday's bonus episode. We can uh, jump on into the movie, man. Uh, what made you choose Eyes Without a Face? I know that wasn't your first choice, but your uh, first choice was quite long, so I, I actually appreciate you for uh, shortening it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, you know, over the pandemic, I was like, you know, I sort of like made a long list of like movies that you know I, I i hate to be like that guy but like i made a list of like the movies that are like you know critically acclaimed or whatever yeah you know? no no exactly like, what you mean you know and i was just like oh yeah and so like i basically like looked at a ton of like internet lists and shit and a lot of them i had already seen but there were like a ton you know specifically within you know like Japanese cinema and like French cinema and like a bunch of stuff like that that I hadn't really seen. Yeah. Um, and I saw a face was one of them and I had seen it uh, at the beginning of the pandemic and I really enjoyed it. Um, and because I also like it's to me, it sort of is reminiscent of like Psycho a little bit and yeah. which makes because it, you know, released the same year and everything like that. And so and I like I grew up watching that. And so I was just like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I just, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a horror movie, but I think it's a lot more than that, which I really, really enjoyed. So I just wanted to, you know, and also do, I just wanted to be that person and like choose something different, <laughs> you know? No, definitely. That's, uh, that's one thing I actually appreciated the choice because of, uh, I'm kind of the same way. It's one that's been on a list of those movies that I've needed to watch for a long time. But uh, I could never push myself to watch it. Like, I think I threw it on my list when I first got HBO Max because, you know, like it, it's it been up there since like uh, it started or whatever. But uh, I just never bit the bullet and watched it. So I was glad that you chose it because it actually pushed me to watch it when, you know, I don't know what I actually would have jumped the shark yeah. and actually did it or whatever. So I, and I actually yeah. really enjoyed it. So even though we haven't. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those that's easy to just like scroll past. Yeah, you know, like like straight up, if it wasn't on that list, like, like on one of those internet lists that I saw, I probably wouldn't have watched it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, but I, you know, I I'm really glad I did. I mean, the first choice I I chose was was quite on honestly, and like I love that movie, but dude, it's I I remember that it's a three hour runtime, and I was like, <laughs> I don't want to have have like put him through that <laughs> so say maybe that's something uh we'll get back together and uh break down each story because this isn't it like an anthology i've never seen that one myself but i was interested in watching it and it was just i saw that three hours i was like shit that's gonna be rough yeah yeah no it, it's definitely yeah it's an anthology of like i think four different stories um oh, if man. you do get a chance to like carve out some time to watch it you really should because it's literally i think it's one of the most like visually pleasing things i've watched it's yeah in terms of like cinematography and like like set design and everything like that like coloring it's it's insane yeah um, especially for the time but yeah i was like nah three hours yeah i'm not gonna do that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah plus when it's like broken down into stories like that it feel like i feel like it always makes it take longer to talk about because you want to talk about like each story too so it's like it's already three hours and then it's not just one linear story either so it's like harder to like skip things you know totally totally yeah it, it just it, w it wouldn't have been like feasible at the time you know i know we definitely would have got it done though if you chose it man i wouldn't have let you down but yeah. <laughs> i'm glad you did move off of it that's for sure. <laughs> i 
respect you. That's tight. But uh, now, I mean, we can kind of jump into the movie a little bit. Uh, you know, we can move through this thing mostly scene for scene because it's kind of not a long movie either. That's one thing I really enjoyed about it is it only sits at an hour and 30 in it. Like, so it doesn't have a lot of fluff at all, you know? Right, right. Yeah. But like straight out the gate, the opening scene, I believe, is uh, it shows the... Uh, I'm really bad with remembering names from a movie, but it shows the assistant mm -hmm. to the doctor, you know, driving, um, which, you don't at this point, you don't know, you know, who she is or anything. You just see her driving, you know, this kind of disfigured looking person. And when it first shows it, you kind of like, I'll be honest, like when you watch the movie for the first time blindly, you're wondering if she knows that it's there at first, you know, and then you kind of start yeah. to like, it makes you wonder if that's going to be like a villain coming to get her. But it's like then once you realize, oh, no, that's just somebody's disfigured dead body that she's discarding of pretty much. It's like, yeah. uh, dude, it's and and honestly, I think that I'm, I'm glad that we're starting like from the beginning, because honestly, like, I think that opening scene is a testament to how good the storytelling is of this of this, you know, film. Because yeah. Like if, if you look at it as a whole, there isn't much plot. Like there's really not a lot that goes on. Yeah. I think it's the way it's presented and the way it's told. Like they literally just drop you in the middle of it. You know what I'm saying? And you, you it's sort of like overwhelming in a sense because you're just like, okay, there's this person driving through this like really kind of, you know, like desolate wooded area. Yeah. And then there's like this weird person in the back seat who you can't see their face and then like, you know, the part where the headlights come up behind you, like, is someone chasing her? Like, what, like, what the fuck's happening? Um, but then you get stabby to it, you know, pretty quickly. You're like, oh, okay, this is the vibe. Yeah. No, that's actually one thing that I enjoyed about it myself was the fact that it's like, you get those things that make you wonder, like, uh, like that's the storytelling is perfect, like perfectly paced, I guess would be the word I'm looking for is because uh like as soon as you start to wonder like what the fuck's going on it's like oh that's what's going on like they don't make you wait like i feel like if this movie was made today you'd have that opening scene and then you'd have to wonder about it for 30 minutes of fluff before they explain you know oh this lady's with him you know what i mean but literally within three scenes you pretty much kind of get you know the whole gist of what was going on with that scene so yeah for sure and i think you know it's you see that throughout the entire movie like yeah. for different elements of different scenes like like, and obviously we'll get into it later, but you know, like the operating scene, it's like, uh, like he literally is like, I'm showing you all this shit. Yeah. And, and I think that for the time for 1960, like, dude, that's insane. Now, even down to like uh, the dogs, like when you're kind of wondering, like, why are the dogs there? It's like, they even make sure to kind of, you know, give you a real quick scene to explain that away. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. So which to pay off. Well, of course, like you said, we'll get to that stuff when we get there, but, uh, you know, that pays off a little bit better than, you know, some of the stuff in the movie, but, but I don't yeah. think there's anything in the movie that doesn't pay off actually. You know what I mean? Like, as far as I'm concerned, this, this was an excellent choice. Like I'm glad I watched it and it's probably going to shoot up there. And it's like one of my favorites from the sixties, you know, of course, like there's, I'm not going to say I have a ton of movies in my catalog that I've seen from the sixties. So it's not like it's got a ton of competition, but yeah, but still, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way, you know, like when it comes to like the horror genre or whatever, I don't really, I don't really dive that far back. I mean, I have, I've seen a few, but you know, for, for the most part, I don't really, you know, travel that far back just because I like to be entertained more than anything. Yeah. Some of like, you know, better than anyone else. I like, did it. Some of these are work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know no i was definitely pleasantly surprised with this one because i definitely knew that it had like uh you know it was like you said the, at the beginning it, like it's critically acclaimed and stuff like that and like it's on a bunch it's on a ton of list of like movies you need to see and like you know if you're a film lover this is one you need to watch before you you die or whatever and shit like that and uh so like i've always known that it had like high praise but even like you said with the datedness of it it kind of you always worry that there's going to be some parts that are just kind of hard to get through you know just because it's like you know everybody looks at stuff with the lens of it coming out in that time but no this i don't know this movie is really good i i don't know i really enjoyed it i'm su really surprised that it didn't have any of that shit and it was you know at an hour and 30 minutes it pretty much just keeps giving you information for an hour and 30 minutes until the movie is over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's a testament to just how good it is. Which that's one thing is like within the next two scenes, this is pretty much explained, you know, with uh, the very next scene that I guess the inspector 
calls the doctor up to the doctor's office or to the morgue, I guess, which that, that's the only thing that confused me. Like it didn't confuse me at the time, but it kind of confuses me thinking about it now is like, why is the inspector there? I guess to confirm the body. But if it's at the doctor's place, I don't know. I guess that's why both doctors were there, though, because the one doctor was the boyfriend and then the other doctor was supposed to be the dad. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, you know, I that scene, you know, at first, like when I first saw it, you know, like when obviously when he comes in to like the police station or you know whatever that's what you're talking about right like that that whole section right but the um yeah pretty much at the very beginning when uh like right after it shows her dump the dead body it shows the inspector like uh say he like looks at the body and he's like we need to call dr so-and-so to come uh identify this body we also need to call doctor or we also need to call mr tarot or something like that oh yeah yeah no it's yeah so that's it was like um when he shows up and it's like he shows up and then it's the other father and it was like the other father of like another girl who had been missing and that alludes to the fact that it's like he probably killed that fool's daughter yeah no that's what i was thinking too i was uh now what i was saying is what was confusing me is i felt like when the i guess it was just confusing to me that the inspector would call the guy to identify the body not the like mortuary guy right and i think you know yeah i i i don't know how they did shit back in the day yeah you know they could have just you know been like oh you know call the the main you know specialist or something like if it was like a small ass like you know police station or something you know they could have just like you know hired out for something like that i don't know true but but yeah no i i didn't i didn't catch that little bit until the second time i watched it and i was like oh he probably killed that guy's daughter yeah and i was like that's nuts no i figured uh the only reason i kind of picked up on that was because of the line where he says to him where he's like uh like he kind of like confirms to him like almost like no there's no need for you to go in there type thing it's like as the story started to go on i was like like pretty much the very next thing you kind of see that you know he was working with the uh which we can kind of go on to the very next scene just and you know kind of talk back and forth between these two because the very next scene is when you find out that uh you know they do the little the funeral for the daughter of the the faux funeral or whatever And uh, that's when you see that the woman that dumped the body in the beginning is working with the doctor. And that's like kind of what we were saying is like how quick this stuff tells you everything. It's one of the uh, best things about the movie for sure. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's like they they really do like he, he really does a great job of being like, OK, yeah, you, you're going to have a question about this simply because of like where we drop you in the narrative. And then we'll make sure to tie that up like very quickly so we can just get on with the plot. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, as soon as like the first time I saw it, like the film and I saw that she was there at the funeral. I'm like, ah, this all makes sense now, you know? Yeah. And I was, it. I immediately, when I saw her at the, like at the, you know, quote unquote funeral or whatever, I was like, oh, the daughter's not dead then. Yeah. No, that's what, uh, that was the only thing I wasn't, that's the only thing I was a little bummed about with going into the movie was I wish I didn't read the synopsis on HBO Max because oh. syn- <laughs> it literally says that it's about, you know, like it says that it's about a guy that's like, you know, I'll go ahead and say it because we're going to talk about the whole movie. So if somebody's listening, they're going to spoil the movie by the end anyways. But yeah, honestly, if, if they're if they're even listening to this, then they should just know from the get go. Like, come on now. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to hear the whole movie plot of the movie. So, yeah. The, um. So pretty much uh, it says like in the synopsis, a guy tries to like, uh, like I don't remember right off the top of my head, but it's pretty much like a guy, a, a scientist is or a doctor or whatever is uh trying to get a face for his disfigured daughter or something like, you know, like along those lines. So you kind of know the daughter's at least alive, you know what I mean? But that right, also right. like, he's like a, like specifically like a plastic surgeon. Yeah. He like specializes in like, like replacing tissue. Yeah. Um, first that see, because I read that at first, it had me a little thrown off. Cause I'm like, well, if his daughter's dead, how the fuck is he going to get faces for him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, wait, is there going to be like a flashback or something? Like what's, what's going to happen here? You know? Yeah. But then it started to make sense as it was like, oh, he faked it, so he could do it. It's like that makes sense. But now that's uh that was awesome. And then that's a I think then the very next scene, you kind of get that explained. You know, they kind of I believe they go right back to the house and you're introduced to the daughter for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, dude, like in terms of and we can sort of talk about this too, is like the imagery in this movie, like just in terms of like the harsh like sort of like very visceral like imagery they use like her face in that mask yeah is something i straight up like it's creepy no i definitely agree that shit fucking had me uh a little freaked out i was like 
I think that's scarier than her when it like it kind of reveal you know it finally reveals it in a few scenes you know for her without her mask so you do see her without her mask and I think with the mask it's probably creepier than without. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it like she can't move her mouth, can't move anything, but all you see is her eyes moving behind him. Like oh that's yeah that's a little that's a little unsettling for sure. Yeah, especially the part when she like uh, towards the end of the film when she's like crying out of it and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fucking. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of like small images throughout the entire movie that i'm just like i'm like oh that's a little fucked yeah no definitely uh like that and then uh another scene that just because i can't pinpoint when it happens in the movie anyway so i'll jump forward a little bit but just when the the woman like picks up her pearls and she shows like the scar in her neck or whatever and she's like look at my face or it's like that little shit right there it's like oh like this dude's fucking nuts this plastic surgeon dude pretty much Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or like when they do the time lapse on her face, when he realizes that like, like when he did the, the, like the skin transfer, it, like it doesn't take yeah. you just like the rotting flesh on her face. I'm like, oh, that's so gnarly. Yeah. The way they show that shit too is fucking sick. Cause it looks almost like real pictures from like a doctor's office or something that you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, man, all this, that's the thing, dude, all this for 1960. I'm like, no shit that people like didn't like it when it came out <laughs> like it got like negative reviews because they said it was like too realistic yeah they just weren't ready for this shit for sure because this is this is definitely one of like a, the definition of ahead of its time because i feel like anybody that sees this now is gonna like it like they would a movie that came out today you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure but you kind of get some more uh when it, within the scene of meeting the daughter you also get like a bunch of great exposition like it's not like forced at all it feels at least in my opinion you know when they uh they you kind of find out that you know it happened in a car accident and you you know he kind of explains that he's trying to get her a new fit you know like he kind of just pretty much they kind of talk about it all within the you know like one scene of you know what they're trying to accomplish and you know how they got to that point to begin with yeah and that's another thing that i i really liked in terms of like like the actual screenwriting of this like of this film is that it like it didn't try too hard yeah you know like it wasn't wordy and it was very like sort of like everything else that we've talked about like it's very to the point like everything had a purpose and everything was just there to like drive the movie forward like like you said there was no fluff yeah you know like it's just there so yeah and like uh like for instance, the next few scenes, like uh, like I wouldn't say there's much to dive into with them, but they're definitely important to the film for sure. Because like the next few scenes is, if I'm not mistaken, that's when the, you see the woman like kind of doing what she does and you like uh, kind of like going out there and finding another face to try again with. Yeah, which is just it is creepy as fuck, dude. Yeah, <laughs> just no, trolling just... the streets for that, like. <laughs> And then her personality the whole time, it's like the way she stays like so friendly and she, it, it has like a um like a Joan Crawford feel to her, like the way she acts and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That, that entire scene where like, where you see her like pick up the first girl and everything and like driving her out. And when she's like, Oh, like being like there, that's going to be the train that you take in 20 minutes. And it's like, you know, damn well that like, you know, she's not taking that train in 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's all that sort of thing where it's like building tension without, you know, without saying too much. It's literally just about, you know, putting you right in that situation. You know, you're in that car. Yeah. You're like, uh, it's just unsettling. Everything about this movie is unsettling. Not um, the same thing. Like, uh, like you said, like when she's the way she's in the car, like the uh, so when they get to the house and she's like looking outside, like kind of trying to see, you know, where they're at. And then you see her look up to see if there's anybody else in the, this big ass house. And then like uh, they go in or whatever and they kind of do the same thing like just through dialogue they show you how everybody's feeling you know like uh by that point she's gotten even more uncomfortable and scared so she's trying to like tell them you know without like throwing up too big of a red flag that she's like hey i need to get home soon you know like i can't be out too late blah 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 and they're like uh well we need an answer you know like the only thing is is the way that they're speaking to her i'm like if you know you're about to chloroform her you think you would just be a little bit less creepy (laughs) yeah seriously they're they're like so forward about it it's like oh man like yeah that's the one thing is uh and uh i didn't really catch that and so because i watched the film uh i had to like i started it and then like i finished it like at another time because like uh just because of like i had to tend to the baby and stuff so i was like well i'll just get back to it in a couple hours instead of like trying to go right back to it you know and uh so so I went back like a couple, like 15 minutes when I started it the second time. So I saw that one scene twice, you know, the whole like 20, you know, where she says a 20 minute train thing. And I oh, didn't even, yeah. I didn't even realize that she was like, uh, 
when she because when she drives her out there, she tells her she's like, we're really far out here. And she's like, oh, I just took the long way. And then, like you said, she's like, that's the train that only takes like 20 minutes to get to Paris or like that you'll get, you know, 20 minutes to Paris or whatever. And uh, then when they get to the house, that's when she says that she lives in Paris. And I was like, I didn't even put that together. You know what I mean? Like That's where she needed to get back to. So it's like just little details throughout, like all the conversation that just makes like, I don't know, this the storytelling in this movie is like perfect. And it's crazy to see that uh, like this movie doesn't get the same. Like you said, it's so similar to uh, Psycho and the feel and like suspense that you get. It's not similar in story at all, really. But uh, so it's just crazy to see that this doesn't get the same like recognition that Psycho gets, let alone that it was like hated almost like the thing was, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and that was, you know, it's it's funny that you bring that up because you know, after I saw it the first time, I was like, kind of, kind of like really intrigued about it. So I, you know, did a lot of reading up and a lot of people were saying that we're sort of like correlating those two movies because yeah, I, I didn't, I totally forgot about that. And when the thing first came out, people were like, oh, this is, you know, disgusting. Yeah. And it's just like, it was just, yeah, like you said, ahead of its time, you know? Yeah. And it's all pretty much just like, uh, like, and they're both kind of succeed in the same two things, storytelling and uh visuals you know the visuals and the thing are immaculate and same thing with this movie you know it's just like there's a bunch of scenes where uh like it's silent and it's just but it's still creepy you know what i mean or like you still you pick up the vibe throughout like i don't speak french and like so like it's you know like i'm trying to read subtitles while watching the movie and yet i still pick up like the creepy vibe that they're like putting off with their face you know what i mean like because it's hard to read faces when you're reading subtitles but it's like it's still this movie just puts off the vibe throughout the whole thing that it's like whatever you pick up it's like you'll pick up what it's trying to say so yeah and i think like there's it's definitely like a testament to you know the actual you know cinematography of it all because there's like so many shots that are just like you know from such strange angles and like from such it, like it, it's just such a different approach to it obviously like we see a lot of that stuff now but like put in the lens of like the 1960s and stuff like that like yeah they weren't using that shit back then you know like for like like in that very first scene like the shot outside of the car you know where it's it's like right on the windshield and you're like oh that's weird you know like probably for the time you know and or like you know the scene where you first meet the daughter and she's just sort of like wandering around the house you know, it, it'll like the camera will follow her or then it'll be like at the corner underneath the staircase. You know, it's like it's so strange. So yeah, it the- just, it's, you know, it just adds to that sort of vibe. Just every aspect of like how the movie was shot and planned out is just like adds to the, like the unsettling sort of vibe of it all. So, yeah, now from the way the camera like fo- like you said, the uh, the way it follows like pretty much all of them, like from uh, the very, you know, beginning, not the beginning, beginning, but like the very first scene when they come back to the house, you know, and reveal that the daughter's alive. It's like, it follows the, uh, the couple through the house, the same way it like follows her back out of the bedroom to the surgery, you know what I mean? And shit like that, that, uh, right. Right. And then yeah. Same thing. Like you said, with it being, when looking at it, come like this was shot, you know, I think it came out in 1960. So it was shot like late fifties. So it's crazy to think about the fact that like they were doing stuff in that opening scene with, like you said, it's going through the windshield. And then like, they were even showing like, uh, shot of like her eyes in the rearview mirror and they were showing the guy in the rearview mirror or like the dead body like i thought i keep saying guy because it looks sort of formed at first i thought it was a guy but i thought it was a guy at first too (laughs) so like that should uh like but that shit like just lends into perfectly what you're saying it's like this uh even though like everything about this film is ahead of its time like all the way down to the cinematography and shit like that but yeah definitely definitely but uh so the next scene pretty much is like one of the best scenes of the film in my opinion and this is uh what make this is one thing that shows you like that this film came out back then because this film's only rated p or tv 14 i think is what it said it was or something like that and i'm like this next scene alone nowadays would make this movie r just because of oh easy dude <laughs> that shit was fucking epic like uh well first you get like the unveiling of the unmasked you know uh daughter which is pretty ins- i think her name's edna if i'm not mistaken or something like that i think that's the name of the assistant and it- it's like um edith this is the daughter i think i oh, know christian or yeah 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 uh, like uh christian or something like that like yeah i think edith is the actress that actually plays her and then i think edna is the oh no edna is the girl the um one of the girls that gets kidnapped sorry i brought it up so i can look at it now i'm getting confused more because i'm just seeing names and no pictures 
<laughs> but uh not. but so pretty much the surgery happens and it's with that first girl and uh it starts with you know like her like scaring her awake with unmasking her and i guess he just, she just faints back to sleep because like then that's when it cuts to like the surgery itself but uh yeah. the uh, i will say that the makeup on the unmasked face is pretty fucking wild for the 50s as well just you know it's not i was just gonna say that like <laughs> like when you first see that like her like her real face you're like oh that's gnarly yeah no it felt like some phantom of the opera shit for sure yeah seriously now that fuck that part's sick as fuck and then like i didn't expect the um and then like the very next part you know they it, he first draws on with the sharp well, with the pencil or sharpie or whatever i'm sure they didn't have sharpies in the fit well i don't know i don't i think they say established 50 something on them but uh yeah, I don't know. They, uh so he draws on her face or whatever you know like the lines around her face and around her eyes and then he starts to cut it and it's like holy shit like i didn't expect th them to cut you know like somebody's fucking face off on film in the 50s let alone he proceeds to peel that shit off on camera too <laughs> dude yeah and that's that's the thing like so a lot of people who you know see this like for the first time they're like oh yeah it's it's definitely a horror movie but it has like way more of like drama sort of like tropes to it yeah. but i think if anything that's the scene alone right there where you're like oh this is a horror movie yeah because <laughs> it's like oh he like we're watching him cut someone's face off like <laughs> no i agree 100 that's the part when i was like uh i was actually thinking that myself i was like so far this is kind of like very low suspense you know like other than the creepy you know of course the creepy ass daughter's face had me kind of like all right this is you know kind of leaning towards the horror realm but uh it kind of felt more like just a weird twilight zone episode but like as soon as that shit happened where you like cut her fucking face off and then peels the skin off i'm like god damn is fucking uh nubbin's gonna come out or something from texas dude, chainsaw <laughs> i know straight up i'm like damn this is like some gnarly shit dude <laughs> yeah and then it literally just fades to the next scene if i'm not mistaken and it kind of shows them like semi celebrating that it's worked you know or at least at that point they thought that it worked and um the the nurse asks you know she asked her uh i'm just gonna call her the nurse because i can't think of her name so or the assistant. So either one. The, so the assistant asked the doctor and she's pretty much like, you know, I changed, I changed Christian's bandages and everything looked pretty good, but mm -hmm. what do you want me to do with so-and-so, you know, the victim pretty much. And he's just like, well, feed her and we'll, you know, we'll figure something out. And uh, so she goes to feed her and that's when she gets whopped with a bottle and fucking homegirl just runs and dives to her death. I did not expect Dude. that shit at all. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I'm like a lot of the, like, that was like the first sort of thing that I questioned. I'm just like, damn, why didn't you just like, you know, try to run for help or something like that? But like, I guess it was just like, dude, they, they're they so far out there and they're just like so separated from everyone that she was just like, and she also realized like my fucking face is gone, you know, yeah. <laughs> like probably didn't see any other option. And that's kind of like a, uh, the girl at the end of Hostel when she just has her eye fucking flopping around. And she just decides I'm jumping in front of a train. <laughs> dude yeah because i mean at that point fuck i mean what do you do you know yeah no i definitely feel it for sure like it's like uh do you go through and try to get your face back <laughs> like is it worth it right like what the fuck it's like let me get one of them their masks that your daughter was wearing <laughs> yeah right like shit let me get one of like the you know eight people that you killed like let me see their face please yeah like, does this uh crazy house come with a, a gift shop that i can get one of those <laughs> holy shit but uh so then i think uh if, if i'm not mistaken the very next thing that you kind of see is that's when we get the what we talked about earlier when he goes to inspector himself later that night as they're kind of celebrating over dinner that it's you know all worked and he I, I can't remember what he sees that tips off off to him that it didn't work would you say he says that she has like rosy cheeks oh yeah yeah, that's... yeah like like it's it's painted all over his face that he's like that something's wrong and they're like trying to get it out of him and he's like oh no he's like covering it up you know yeah and then she like follows him outside if i'm not mistaken and that's when he's like he pretty much just tells her like i failed and then it cuts to like that's one thing that i did not expect is when he was just like i failed i figured i was like oh shit we'll just see her back in the mask and then like uh, like you mentioned earlier, it shows like these slides of like her face, like slowly decaying and shit. And it's just like, that's probably the most brutal shit of the movie, like other than the, you know, skinning of the face. Right. Yeah. And that's also a cool part of the, like, like when we talked about the writing as well, like, I think this is like a cool little, like, like introduction to sort of like the character development or like character insight that they had for, you know, for the, like the actual surgeon himself, because you, you see that like a lot of this 
and like a lot of his motivation has nothing to do with his daughter yeah it's literally all to do with him yeah his guilt for what he did to his daughter pretty much more than and the like right. fact that he'll be he'll be like this like successful surgeon as well like in all the money he can, like he even mentions the money at one point like in real quick passing and shit yeah yeah and it's like i think it's he's more concerned with like himself succeeding in something that you know he's built his livelihood around rather than to you know have his daughter be happy because i think ultimately she just wants to leave yeah and he's just like no you can't you know i want you to build this new life for yourself with this new face but i have to you know fix this for you first and it's yeah he's just he's just seeing his own you know his own ego throughout the whole thing no doubt for sure and like uh and that's one thing that paints him as like the whole like the villain of the whole movie you know what i mean even though she's like the scary looking one it's like it's obvious who the fucking villain of this film is for sure oh for sure yeah absolutely yeah but then uh so i don't think it's the very next scene but i do just want to mention real quick the scene where because like the whole time of this movie you're hearing dogs barking you're seeing a bunch of dog kennels and like you don't really know like why or anything like that you can kind of make assumptions but they kind of confirm it when he it shows him like graph like He's like skin grafting like another type of dog skin, obviously, onto like a dog or whatever. So it shows like in a real quick, like little not even 30 second scene that he's like using the dogs as like experiments in between, you know, like trying to fix his daughter and shit like that, which makes him even more of an evil piece of shit. Yeah, for sure. And, And I think that's, you know, that's a really good, you know, little thing that they use throughout the film, because, you know, I when I read up about it a lot, they're like you know, there's a lot of sort of like surrealistic, you know, aspects to this, to this movie. Yeah. And one of them is there like, is the sound and like the dogs, like the constant dog barking is like, it just puts you in this weird state of like unrest because, you know, you see that like they're in this giant like mansion. It's almost like a castle, you know, Yeah. but like, it looks large from the outside, but they're like, when you're inside, it feels so cramped and you can hear the dogs like wherever they are you know and it's just like it's it just adds to that sort of like surrealistic like you know sort of dreamlike like nightmarish sort of vibe no definitely it's like that uh not that it's like dogs barking annoys everybody but it's like almost to like add a little bit of like annoyance or like unsettling to you like as on top of like the silent you know like the uh because i like that's another thing like you said it's like when the dogs are constantly barking i I realized that that's when like the score would back out a lot and stuff like that you know what i mean so it was like intentionally just let you hear the dogs you know like the dogs barking and stuff like that not try to drown it out with like music or anything yeah exactly like it was it was a a very conscious decision yeah now is it um is it just me or is this uh is this score also the curve your enthusiasm theme song Dude, yeah, I I know. So it's really funny, right? Like, uh, I go on Letterboxd for like all the movies that I watch, and I I just like like to read some of like the reviews for these. Yeah, and I was on so many reviews <laughs> for this for this film. Is there just like, yo, I love this episode of Curb, dude. <laughs> It definitely like worked for it, but it was just like because you know, like it became such a meme to like use that. It was like hard not to think about it every time it played for sure. Dude, yeah, and and that was the one thing that was just hilarious to me is that like you know when the when the film starts and that score comes in, I'm like, oh, this this movie's French as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's like, and then they top it off with a cherry of putting Finn at the end of the movie. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's not even real subtitles or credits. <laughs> but uh, so then pretty much uh, that's when they start to like get investigated a little bit because that's when uh, the daughter makes another. I think she already made one. I think she makes two throughout the movie, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure if they're both on camera or not. I can't remember. But I know for sure that the second one is on camera when she calls uh, Jacques, her boyfriend, mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, she finally, I think the first, oh yeah, that's right. The first time she calls him and she never says anything. And then the the second, and it is on camera, but the second time she does call him and actually says his name. So that's when he goes to the same detective we saw at the beginning of the film. And he's like, you know, I think we need to study this, blah, 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 blah. And at first he doesn't really want to respond to it. You know, he kind of just thinks that it's a grieving boyfriend or whatever, but then, you know, he mentions a girl with pearls around her neck, the doc, you know, the inspector does because of an earlier scene where a woman mentioned a girl with pearls around her neck while reporting her friend missing, you know, and she's obviously a friend of the girl we saw uh, in the surgery scene and shit like that. So that was a nice little like tie around, of course, but um, which that scene happens, I think, right before or right after this, I think 
that scene happens after the surgery, but before you see the failure of the surgery, if I'm not mistaken. No, you see the you see the failure, and then it's uh like you see her again in because the whole thing is like the like you see like the you know her, her like new face or whatever like decay. Yeah. And it goes to like you see her in the mask again, like in her room, and she's like you know, like you know defeated or whatever, and then she goes again to like wandering around the house because she, you know, she's cooped up in the house. And that's when she calls uh, like the boyfriend or fiance or whatever the fuck, you know? And then, uh, then that's when it goes into like the, the police station again. So boom, boom, like right after it, like one right after the other. Yeah. So, and then, uh, so they pretty much devise this plan with this, uh, the same at the same time when the lady was uh there and she mentions the woman in pearls there's also another woman there that's you know mentions that she's having trouble with the law and she's trying to get in you know uh trying to get help with it and all this stuff and they kind of pull a uh i feel like this is what the movie the departed is based on her in, uh internal affairs or whatever oh <laughs> Where, yeah <laughs> uh because this is when they decide that they're going to take this woman and pretty much tell her you know you're going to go to jail or you can do this job for us and they kind of use her for like which I, this is one thing i really liked about this film is like uh it's kind of like it feels like a crime movie but it still also like feels horror-ish you know because it's like you know when it shows the cops talking to her and all this stuff it feels like a scene out of like a straight-up crime movie but you know that what they're sending her into is possible horror you know what i mean so it's like it has like a perfect blend of both in a way yeah yeah and I, like that's it's sort of like you know how all of those like you know like serial killer sort of like cop drama thrillers are you know where it's like you know it, the whole movie is just like about the chase yeah uh, this obviously isn't isn't like that but like it, it definitely had like you said it has that aspect of it and I think that like because at this point in the film you know we've seen like the the surgeon just like put his daughter through absolute hell yeah so you're literally like you you want them to find this fucker and so at, when that aspect of the film comes in you're like oh yeah here we go you yeah you, you get excited for it you're like fuck it. they're like this is a good plan and it's gonna work like you don't you know what i mean no i'm right yeah. there with you yeah it's bullproof at this point yeah yeah now i'm with you you start to root you root for the cops and then you're also like just root, you're also just hoping that it's like not only are you rooting for like the cops to get the bad guy but you're also like rooting for that girl to make it out alive you know because it's like man fuck if he just ends up killing her too and it's like they fail it's like at this point you don't want that ending because this guy's a piece of shit <laughs> right of course <laughs> it's not like one of those bad guys where you're rooting for him it's like uh you're kind of like rooting for his daughter and shit like that you know for probably most of the film if you know if anybody yeah yeah exactly but uh so that's when it goes on to uh you know they so they tell her that she's got to bleach her hair which that part's kind of funny because she's like uh are you kidding me he's like that's not what we do <laughs> but uh so then so they tell yeah. her she, <laughs> yeah. when he asked her about bleaching her hair or whatever she's but uh so then uh so she does it and she goes in you know and they kind of debrief her on the details and they send her into the hospital to like um i guess she they tell her just to like put herself in there you know like um you know say she's not feeling well or whatever and uh so she hey, she claims she's having migraines and stuff which just the one thing is i never understood is that he tells her claim you're having migraines and then when she goes in there she like never says anything about headaches or migraines she's yeah like, I, I sort of noticed that too i was just like uh i mean okay whatever 1960 yeah. all right <laughs> yeah i was like i don't blame the movie i blame i just feel like that's the character you know what i mean like i was like looking at the character like you failing bitch <laughs> you know? yeah like, come on man you're like <laughs> you had one job <laughs> <laughs> but uh so pretty much uh so then uh you know she gets he tests her or whatever and he pretty much lets her go and you kind of start to that like you said because you're starting to root for him at that point you start to get a little worried like oh shit she's just gonna go home and you know they're not gonna get he's not gonna take her he's gonna take somebody else or something like that you know you kind of start to think that might be where it goes but uh yeah, yeah. but luckily uh not luckily but then you know as, uh, as soon as she gets released you know his assistant picks her up and takes her back to the house and shit like that which uh that's the one thing about the uh film that i liked it was as well as like how quick the woman picks her up and stuff like that it almost felt like um you know like sometimes horror films will borrow from like true stories and shit like that yeah 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 i don't know if you ever heard about like the uh i think his name was ian brady or ian something it was ian brady and um 
shit what is the woman's name it was a man and a woman but pretty much the man would do a lot of the like murdering and like all the you know the crazy shit to like these children and stuff but uh they're known as like the uh the moore's murders so if you ever want to look them up or whatever but because are the mars murder i don't know but they used to kill them like out in these like they're called like the moors or like the mars out in like ireland or some shit like that but they would like uh they would like pull up to these kids and they'd be like hey i lost my my hair like the girl would pull up alone to these children or whatever and be like hey i lost this out in this field like my mitten or like you know my hair thing or whatever and she was like will you help me go find it and like this was like back way when like kids were just really like uh trusting of like any adult you know what i mean so like like yeah they'd be like sure i'll go help you and then they'd take him out there and he would be out there and they would like you know do what they do or whatever so it's like uh this part just kind of made me feel like maybe that was borrowed from like those stories you know because especially because this is a french film so it's closer you know because this happened in europe these murders so it's like you know it was closer to probably their news cycle and shit you know than like if it happened here so they probably definitely heard about it especially being in the 60s and stuff so now I was like, I wonder if that was like kind of like borrowed from that, like even if it's not purposely borrowed from that, you know, if it was just kind of like, for instance, like when, you know, being a guitar player, I'm sure uh, I know I've done it. I'm sure you've done it where you like you start to write something. You're like, man, I fucking love that. And you're like, oh, damn it. But that's this person's riff. Like, I just didn't yeah, realize it. Hear it on the radio like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> or you're like, you go back to your Spotify and it's the song that you had on. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, but so that's just uh, it was just kind of cool to see like something like that put in a movie like this far back. You know what I mean? That was like kind of recognizable to like, you know, true crime or whatever that was probably happening around that. Not around that time, but, you know, within like 10 to 15 years before that or whatever. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I think um, this this film was based off of like a novel. Yeah. And like the novel, I think, was written in like, I want to say 50s or something like that. So. It, it could have definitely, you know, like come from, come from like, you know, real life news cycles that came, you know, from around that time. It's very, it's very possible. Yeah. Cause I think this actually, if I'm not mistaken, what I'm talking about actually happened like way earlier. I want to say like the twenties or thirties, but that would make sense because probably whoever wrote it would have been younger and like heard about that shit as they were young and like built that into one of their own stories as they got older. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Totally. So, no, hell yeah. But so pretty much the uh you know she picks her up and like um you don't really see her get chlorophyll. that's one thing is like you don't need to see all that shit happen again or you know whatever you know you know the you know what the goal is of the assistant and doctor at this point so when she picks her up it's like they don't need to show you get her get knocked out again and you know like all this so pretty much they just show her at that point um I don't think you see her again until towards the end of the, you know, like there's a whole nother scene where that's when the the two detectives show up to the doctor's office and they start looking for her because they found out that, you know, she never made it home, but supposedly she called and said she'd be home or whatever, which I don't know if that's, I can't remember if that's true or if that's just because they know that she's supposed to, you know, like she had the tip off from Jacques that she left or whatever, you know what I mean? So that's like their way of covering it, but right right because yeah because i don't think it shows that the only thing i i know that it does say is uh the only reason that i wasn't sure is because there is the scene like the scene when they're there talking to the doctor he walks up and he's like uh did so and so check out and she's like yes here's the papers and she also made a call before she left so i'm like i don't know how that assistant would know to be in on it but at the same time it's like who knows you know there could be two people you know she could be slightly in on that or she could have actually made a phone call and it could have been to the detectives but we just didn't see it or whatever you know right right yeah yeah like at this point like we don't we have no no way of really knowing yeah so, but I'd... yeah it, it's definitely it's it, it was one of those things that like i sort of questioned to him like oh well how would they have known to you, you know whatever but yeah it, it's honestly like when like <laughs> when they show up and it like the way that they show up and like like they're like talking about it i'm like that's like it's almost funny to me because it's sort of just like I don't know it just it reminds me of like old like silent movies of like how like the cops are just like kind of idiots yeah and I was just like I was like oh they're sort of like bumbling around here but whatever it was probably just like of the time let's say it didn't help with the Kirby enthusiasm team playing in the background yeah, yeah, the whole thing I was just like oh this is, this is honestly kind of funny at this point but wait for them to start like honking each other's noses and shit. yeah seriously but uh, that's pretty much when the movie starts to tie up because, uh, you know, they kind of get a, you know, he convinces them otherwise and they walk out and Jock walks out with them. And 
you know, he even tells him, you know, sorry that I brought you guys in for nothing. But then as that starts to happen, uh, his daughter decides pretty much that she's had enough and she doesn't want this shit to happen. So she uh, she goes ahead downstairs and uh, I believe the first thing she does is it, she cuts the girl loose first. Right. Or yeah. does she? And then she stabs the assistant. Yeah, which is gnarly. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that's the uh, when she stabs the assistant. I was like, oh fuck! I did not expect that. I expected her to kind of just like be like, fine, you can go or some shit like like dramatic, you know, type thing. Right, and instead, right. she was like, fuck you, bitch, and stabs yeah, the shit out of. Like I remember when the first time I watched it, and she stabbed her. Like I think audibly out loud, I was like, oh, let's fucking go, dude. Like. <laughs> Yeah, and it make I think at by this point she's like got tears streaming down that mask and shit. So it's just like the whole scene is like just like it lends back into what you know been saying since the beginning. Pretty much the cinematography of this movie is just so awesome and perfect for the time. It's like you know the way she's uh you know they didn't have to have her like face covered in blood as she was stabbing her. It's like the tears and everything and like you know you just felt everything coming. Out. Like she doesn't even make a noise as she stabs her. It's just like the tears and uh, on that blank face like add the expression that isn't there you know what i mean right right well and and the one thing that's interesting about the daughter's character is that she has very little lines yeah she doesn't say really anything throughout the whole film and it's mostly you know it's you know most of the scenes also she's wearing a fucking mask you can't even like her expression and so for her to like sort of convey those emotions with a mask on with no lines it's like that's pretty impressive. No doubt for sure. That's one thing that I didn't even think about was the fact that like you feel this way about a character that really doesn't do much to make you feel that way on her own. It's more of just like her, you know, circumstance. And then, uh, like you said, the way that she does make you feel emotion, even way, you know, even with the mask on and everything. Yeah, definitely. But uh, and then my favorite part of the movie probably is the ending slash like big payoff. You know, she releases oh, all the dogs. Yeah. It's so sick. <laughs> She's fucking like, uh, and now I, I think I finally realized who Baja Man wrote the song about. No, I'm just kidding. Dude, dude. Well, and, and honestly, so like it's it's rare like in films to see like dogs like basically maul someone to death. Like I think like, yeah, it's it's gnarly like when like you see people killing people. But when animals are literally like eating someone alive. Yeah. Like that's so much gnarlier than anything else it like by far to me at least you know and to have this movie just like end with this guy just getting eaten alive by his own dogs that he kept captive i'm like dude it's so bittersweet like it rocks like (laughs) it takes something so brutal and somehow makes it so like gratifying and awesome like you said it's like usually when you see that kind of kill you're like oh fuck that's like rough but it's like this dude is such a piece of shit and deserves it so much that you're almost like get his ass (laughs) yeah straight up and then like once again just like it's literally like the sort of film that they're just like you're gonna watch this happen and like you literally watch it happen and then you see his face afterwards and it's literally hamburger meat you just chewed the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) i love that shit for sure that's like probably uh one of the best parts is like just the shot of him laying there dead with like his face just chewed slammed the fuck up and like the dogs just give up like they don't even keep eating on him they just wanted to kill his ass being a piece of shit yeah. pretty much. straight up yeah and then they just dip and you don't see him ever again you're like all right well they played their part you know oh yeah now and then uh it pretty much ends with like a very fairy tale ending deserved for the you know the daughter where she walks out with like these birds just kind of flocking to her and uh yeah and that was you know like one once again we talked about you know like like the actual like imagery and like symbolism and stuff like that like i think it's first of all like i like it's sort of like yeah like the film ties up And like, it has like that, you know, conclusion of her, like, you know, finally being set free, but she's like literally walking into like the cold fucking wilderness. Yeah. It sort of like leaves you hanging almost of like, okay, well, what's she going to do now? You know, she's literally like, like she's presumed dead at this point. And she's just like, she's literally just like a ghost, you know? And, And I think it's cool, like, because like you said, like she's walking like with the doves like trailing behind her and everything. So it's like once again that symbolism of like her finally being set free, you know. Yeah. Now I think that was uh like the biggest thing is like it kind of like I don't know. I wouldn't say it leaves it up to like I don't know, I can't think of the word right now, but uh where like each person have like a different opinion or whatever. But um I don't think it leaves oh to interpret I don't think it leaves it up to interpretation or anything. Like I think it's definitely like she's alive and like leaving and stuff like that. But 
feel like it also can kind of lend in, lend into like that whole like like is she's is she leaving happily like alive or is she like accepting death now that it's all over you know now that everything's over with is she just gonna accept you know like the same way the lady without the like the other lady without the face like didn't want to live you know is it's just like is she free in that way and it's like this is just how they show it because you know like birds flocking to a person is kind of like unrealistic you know what i mean yeah. and every, everything else in the movie has been like realistic in a sense you know of course nobody can really put a face on another person but it also didn't work it failed you know so right right well and i i think that's also like you know one of like one of the aspects that's like you know very surreal as well you know because it's like if you think about it it's like you know you can even look at it sort of as you know like a salvador dali painting or something like that like this like faceless woman with these doves like walking out into like this like wooded area you know it's like yeah you know, it's very surreal you know and especially like with the stark black and white contrast it's like it's yeah it's it's very ominous and that almost uh like when you say it that way like the faceless woman thing it like almost like lends into like the uh like the movie having like just a giant metaphor for like you know like men holding you know like women down especially back then you know like things are not even equal now but you know like back then things were definitely not equal so like oh, yeah so like it's like crazy to think about and then because like even his assistant the whole time like yeah she was on his side but it was always like I owe you because you gave me this face type thing like she was almost like Stockholm syndrome you know what I mean yeah yeah exactly like it was like it was an identity that he gave to her that he provided for her you know yeah uh, there was also like uh someone someone wrote about also that it could be seen sort of as like uh like a class discussion as well of like you know like the the doctor himself like not wanting to face his own failures and stuff like that like because it's, you know, 1960, you know, post-World War II and everything in Europe, like, a lot of people said that it was sort of like a commentary on, like, you know, the wealthy when it came to, like, the war and, like, them not wanting to deal with the fact that, you know, a lot of them, like, helped support Hitler and shit like that. No, I can um, definitely see that for sure. And especially, like, uh, like you said, with his own guilt and stuff like that, it kind of just shows that, like, or not even this guilt, but, like, the, uh, the class thing, it's, like, with him having wealth and shit kind of lends into like the wealthy just taking what they feel like they deserve you know like oh i want your face so i'm gonna fucking take it like <laughs> right, right yeah exactly and because you're poorer than me i can you know what i mean like like so yeah and then i'll just like literally just leave you to die like you know yeah it's crazy how like much this movie like says you know but also just like doesn't say you know what i mean like right right yeah and i think that's one of like the the coolest things about it is that it's it's literally like it you can see it from so many different angles um, with so little dialogue and honestly so little plot and the runtime is an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, which is sick, you know? No, definitely. That's one thing is, uh, that's one thing I'll like, I always throw that out there when I recommend a movie. Like I don't recommend, like, of course, if the movie's like a deep, like a normal, like two hours, I don't even say anything. But if it's short, I'll throw that out there because sometimes people, you know, are more likely to watch it if it's shorter. And then if it's long, of course, I like pre-warn people, you know, like make sure you have time. Like don't start a movie at 930 if you fall asleep in it. If like you're used to going to bed at like 11, you know what I mean? Like if you're going to oh. probably be up to one, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. Like every single person that I tell to watch The Irishman, I'm like, OK, but listen, like, <laughs> <laughs> like give yourself some time, bro. <laughs> yeah. No, that's actually why uh, a little off topic for sure. But I was just gonna say that's actually why I kind of liked the fact that the Justice League movie was like the you know the more recent cut of it Bro, was like I fucking loved it. Yeah, like, same. <laughs> I fucking loved it. It was so like, dude. Yeah, definitely off topic. But like, it was when I saw the runtime, it made me like want to watch it even more because I was dude, like, oh, Zack Snyder's gonna go off the fucking rails, and I can't wait. Like. <laughs> No, I'm actually a, a like I'm a huge Snyder fan. Like I always like I have been since like 300 and shit. And I I loved Batman versus Superman, but I like hated. I just didn't really like Justice League, like Whedon's version, of course. You know, it just felt very like shit. Yeah, it was very like just bland movie. So like I was super stoked on this. So like when it dropped, I fucking hopped up. Like uh, I think I saw that it, they said it was be up at 3 a.m. Eastern. You know, because like it dropped at midnight over there was uh pacific time so i like woke up at like 4 a.m that morning and watched it before i had to go to work that day nice and then nice. uh 
but like i was glad that they put it in like sections and uh shit like that because my parents like wanted to watch it and i was like well look we can like watch like we can watch it in sections you know we don't have to watch it like all at once yeah i think it i think it honestly took me two nights to watch it because yet by the time that i get home you know it's like seven o'clock and then yeah. like, after all my shit down i'm not like you know settling down to watch something until like 9 30 and then i gotta be in bed by 11 30 and all that shit so i was like yeah it definitely took me two nights to watch it but it did yeah i loved it I loved oh yeah it. Like, now the reason i brought it up though is just because they need to uh i was just saying it would have been cool if they did, like i have still haven't seen the irishman but if they would have done the same thing i probably would have already watched it by now because i would have watched it in sections you know what i mean bro yeah like and and here's the thing like, i love scorsese like huge scorsese head and like i loved the irishman but man, if you don't like dialogue, oof, you're gonna have a rough time with that one, dude. <laughs> I know I'm good. Th- I'm good. Then I love dialogue. Like so my favorite, like one of my favorite scenes of all time is the opening scene of Inglorious Bastards, where they just oh, talk. It's so good, dude. Yeah. It's so- <laughs> like the whole like rat speech or whatever. Yeah. But dude, it builds tension so well with just words. Yeah. God, I've- Christoph Waltz is a fucking madman. Right. I want to say that new movie he's got just because of like they have him playing like a fucking crazy dude pretty much i know dude it rocks oh yeah so uh we can uh jump back to eyes without a face of course which i mean we f- finished up the movie but you know i just want to uh ask like pretty much what your final thoughts are on the movie and uh i mean of course you know we both gush about it the whole time so obviously people know we like it but you know like just what are your like overall thoughts on it and you know like uh obviously would you recommend it to somebody yeah no i mean i obviously you know really enjoy it uh yeah. the thing you know, would I recommend it to someone? That's tough because, you know, foreign films off the bat, I don't recommend to everybody. Sure. Because people are like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to read fucking subtitles, which is like fair. I get it. But I think anymore, it's becoming more normalized to like see foreign films, you know, with like Parasite winning Best Picture and everything. Like, I think it's, it's becoming more of like, you know, a commonality anymore for like, you know, films from overseas to, you know, get more notoriety here. Yeah. Um, so a- anyone who, you know, I know is into anyone who's seen Psycho and enjoys it, I would recommend this movie to them for sure. Hell yeah. And like, you know, anyone who genuinely just enjoys watching good film, I would be like, yeah, you need to, you need to watch this then for sure. Oh yeah. No, I definitely uh, agree hundred percent. I think I keep forgetting honestly that it's French and I think it's just due to like uh, we were talking about earlier, how there's just not a ton of dialogue in this film. So like um, that's one thing is if it's somebody that's like, Oh, I don't really care for subtitles. I would probably still try to push them towards it. Cause it is such a great film. I would tell them, you know, like, like, I know you don't love subtitles, but this isn't a dialogue heavy movie either. You know what I mean? So if they were, uh, if they were big on like horror, but not big on, cause you know, there is people that are just like, Oh, it's hard for me to, you know, keep up. It's hard for me to like pay attention to, you know, what's going on while reading and blah, blah, blah. So there's people that like, you know, pretty much bitch their way out of watching foreign films, which is, you know, teach his own or whatever. But I think that it's just, you know, that's just a way of missing out. However, some people, you know, you can't help being dyslexic. You know, you, you obviously right. some, some people just can't fucking read that fast. It's like this. So nothing new against them. It's just I'm just talking about the people that choose not to read it just because they're being lazy type thing. But so like I would definitely like, uh, you know, try to push it to somebody that is like an avid horror fan. They just, you know, try to brush off like all the, you know, foreign films because of subtitles. You know, I'd probably reiterate to them that it's so dial- dialogue light that you could, you know, it's not stressful trying to read it like some films can end up being. But, uh, right. yeah. but now I'm right there with you. It's like, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Like if somebody told me they loved the Conjuring movies, I wouldn't be like, oh, have you seen Eyes Without a Face? Yeah, uh, you could, they'd be like, this isn't even scary. I'm like, bro, it was 1960. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, which that's the one thing though is like that fucking face that skinning the face scene is pretty i don't know that might get some people like oh shit (laughs) it's gnarly yeah and obviously like yeah special effects like aren't there like aren't to like where things are now for like obvious reasons but like dude like you gotta think like you know people were fucking you know like no one had seen that shit before yeah like at least you know in like a film before and they're literally and and it doesn't cut it doesn't cut like you literally see the whole thing yeah now after they pull the face off it like after the face is off is when it like fades slowly to black it doesn't even like cut fast right right and also to go back to what you were saying about like avid horror fans not like being lazy and not want to read subtitles i would tell them to grow the fuck up because (laughs) 
Japanese horror films are some of the scariest I've ever seen in my entire life. No, I definitely so, agree. Especially uh, like lately, I've seen like three and they've all jumped into like being some of my favorites of all time. Like, you know, they're yeah. they're mainstream horror films. And I, by recently, I just mean over like the past year or two. But like I've tried to dive into some of those more too myself, not because of I put them off in the past, but just because of like I've always heard about them. And like uh, my problem with subtitles is I don't want to start a subtitle movie unless I know I can like stay up and finish it because it's like. Right. If you start to get kind of tired and like dozy and stuff, like if you miss like a thing here or there, you can kind of still pick up like a movie, you know, if you're listening and stuff. But I don't know. It's just like I'd hate to like like I like to be able to like focus on these films. So that's why I've like tried to actually like sit time to my like to the side to like give these like films like a first time watch that they deserve. So like I finally in the past few years have watched like Audition and, you know, Train to Busan and like all these like great ass. And these are just newer ones. You know, there's still like a ton of great old ones like. Uh, house and fucking uh like the one you recommended quiet on you know so there's like a ton of great shit to still watch but it's awesome to see like that honestly i think korean horror is up there with fucking like i i feel like they should get the same kind of respect that italian horror gets from like the 70s and 80s you know oh dude yeah it's insane it's insane like yeah. dude juan is straight up like one of the scariest movies i've seen like the oh OG. yeah it's it's nuts like like the the u.s version doesn't even hold a candle to yeah it. no actually like uh sadaku and uh, kayaku have you seen that yet oh no i haven't but i've heard it's i've heard it's really good yeah i really enjoyed that that you know the crossover pretty much yeah no i recommend that one for sure but now i really uh i really enjoyed eyes without a face i'm super stoked that you chose it to be honest just because i don't know when i would have taking the time to watch it but this is one i could see myself throwing on again like soon you know just to like give it a quick rewatch and see if i missed anything you know yeah like part of me you know i i'm always the kind of person that's like oh, i don't want to do i don't want to choose something that like everyone else is choosing you know and like it's also like the fucking pretentious fucking asshole in me i guess but like i was just like yeah i mean we'll fucking watch this one you know it, it's and like you said it was like it's short you know to the point you know just oh, yeah. a good choice no, definitely. It was perfect. And uh, it kind of worked out perfect for me because like the first one episode I did uh, was a first time watch because I did video drone and I was I actually had never seen it. So I was stoked to watch that. Dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that shit. And then uh, so I was actually really stoked that, you know, that was chose uh, chosen. So then the second one was i had actually had seen it. So it made it, you know, like it, it's cool to kind of go back and forth because it's like if I've seen it, I don't have to do quite as much like, you know, research or looking into it and stuff like that. Which not that yeah. I do like research for these. I just kind of like try to remember as much about like names and directors. Uh, of course, with this film, I'm not trying to remember it all because I don't want to butcher a bunch of names anyways. But it's right, all French right. and shit. But uh, so I'm like, I'm not even going to try and like say the director's name, especially because I don't know anything else he did. But so like uh, the second film was Invisible Man 2020. So like, of course, I already seen that. And like, I already knew all the people's names. So that was easy. So then it was cool to do Eyes Without a Face this month, you know, being uh you know, something different different that I hadn't seen again, you know, being able to like see something for the first time and shit was awesome. And then next month I'm doing uh, The Conjuring with, um. oh yeah, that's right. I did do uh, 13 Ghosts last month with Tank from Riding Out. So that was fun just because that was one I grew up on. But uh, next month, dude. oh yeah, <laughs> now I love that shit just because it came out when I was like super young. So like no matter what at all, he's pulled the nostalgia strings for me. But uh, and then next month I'll be doing uh, The Conjuring with uh, Mike from Adball. So oh sick nice yeah i still think that the the first conjuring is like still up there yeah like, it's so good no i agree 100 percent. that's the one we're doing so i'm stoked to chat about that one i actually just watched the third one today so dude i'm not a fan really i, th I thought it was pretty good but like i told my wife i was like it's my least favorite of the three however i really like the first two conjurings so it's kind of like it's not knocking the third one to say it's my least favorite it's just i really like the first two a lot so much you know yeah yeah, and I guess I had I just had like higher expectations, which obviously is my my mistake. Like I should just like lower my expectations, I think, anymore. But <laughs> at least for horror, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it was just like it, it just didn't like wow me, you know. Yeah, you're definitely not alone though. I mean, it seems like the majority is kind of either on the fence about this one or don't doesn't like it. You know, there's a you still see a handful of people online that like it and stuff like that, but. I feel like it, it's been a majority that's been kind of just like, oh, it was all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard uh, the, the next one I'm going to see, I do need to see A Quiet Place too. Yeah, me and... too. I've just been trying to get in the theater and see it, which I work at the theater, but it's like, I don't want to go up on my day off and see a movie. 
Right. Of course. Yeah. I've so many people I know who have gone and seen it. They're like, dude, it's really good. Yeah. I'll probably end up actually seeing it this upcoming week. I know if I don't go see it this upcoming week, we might lose it. Cause like fast and furious comes out soon. Like yeah. fucking yeah. boss baby. So there's shit coming out every week starting like, like pretty much when uh spiral dropped ever since spiral dropped, there's like a new movie or two new movies every week. So we're going to start losing shit. Like, after only having it for two weeks like we already don't have spiral anymore because of all the movies that come out yeah and also that movie's dog shit so yeah it was very uh mediocre i didn't i didn't hate it but it's not anything i'll care to ever revisit and it just wasn't i'm like they i think they overhyped it themselves you know what i mean like for sure chris rock going around telling everybody this is the greatest thing i've ever heard of story-wise it's like it was so like everybody guessed who the killer was 30 minutes into the movie yeah well and that was the thing dude i was like as soon as i saw chris rock was in it i was like i'm all set dude yeah <laughs> no it's like i like him but i like him as a comedian like i wouldn't watch david spade in a fucking puppet master sequel well i mean that might be funny but i wouldn't yeah, watch- it would probably be sick but i'd probably watch it but <laughs> <laughs> but i wouldn't watch him in like a serious uh psycho remaker you know what i mean like i wouldn't there's just like certain things people fit in and i just i don't know Right. I mean, very, very rare. You see those, like, you see those actors, like, come and, like, actually pull it off. And you're like, oh, shit. You know, like, John Krasinski in the first Quiet Place. Like, he yeah. wrote, directed and starred it. And he was really good. And I was like, wow, Jim Halpert really pulled out all the stops. Like, <laughs> yeah. Nah, and luckily he showed it, like, he kind of showed before, though, he could do, like, that rough, like, I guess, kind of rough guy thing because he did that movie what six hours or something like that yeah yeah i i guess i guess you're right but i'm like i didn't actually watch that movie i just saw previews of it though so it was like i'm with you it's like you still kind of have that little bit of skepticism it's like is he gonna be able to pull this off without like that smirk at the camera and shit in between breaking the fourth wall and shit yeah so now it was definitely nice to see uh like him do shit like that it's nice to see like like when somebody like you know like robert pattinson doing the movie like good times and fucking or a good time and uh you know like uncut gems with fucking adam sandler it's always nice to see them like break the mold and then actually work for them like yeah for sure but, but no i mean i appreciate you uh coming on the show again and everything man it was fun chatting with you about eyes without a face i'm glad you introduced me to probably a, a new favorite from the 60s for sure like if i had to pick a top five but like i said i only probably know about five movies from the 60s <laughs> <laughs> yeah well no th- thanks for having me back on but yeah no it was it was it was a good time I always enjoy talking about this shit. So, well, I appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your night. You know, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you so much. Of course, man. Later. Later. And as usual, thanks again for listening. And make sure you check back next week as my guest is going to be the one and only Chucky Brown, vocalist of the hardcore band Crazy Eddie and owner of Chucky Brown's Hood TV. And don't forget that every Friday in the month of April, I'll be dropping these special bonus episodes in honor of hitting two years of doing the podcast. So next Friday, I'll be joined by Anthony Altamura of the band Stray From The Path, as we'll be discussing Lee Winnell's remake of The Invisible Man. So keep an eye out for all that. Make sure you go follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget that if you're interested, you can sign up for the Trash Mouth Horror Club. The link for that is in the description. Thank you guys again so much for your support over the past two years, and stay safe.